and turn to page 288, 288 in our songbooks, I would be like Jesus, 288 as we get started this morning. Earthly pleasures vainly call me, I would be like Jesus, nothing worldly shall enthrall me, I would be like Jesus. Be like Jesus, this my song, in the home and in the throng. Be like Jesus all day long, I would be like Jesus. He has broken every fetter, I would be like Jesus. That my soul may serve him better, I would be like Jesus. Be like Jesus, this my song, in the home and in the throng. Be like Jesus all day long, I would be like Jesus. All the way from earth to glory, I would be like Jesus. Telling o'er and o'er the story, I would be like Jesus. Be like Jesus, this my song, in the home and in the throng. Be like Jesus all day long, I would be like Jesus, that in heaven he may meet me, I would be like Jesus, that his words well done may greet me, I would be like Jesus, be like Jesus, this my song, in the home and in the throng. Like Jesus all day long, I would be like Jesus. Amen. Now let's turn to page 361. 361, our Lord is the lily of the valley. 361. Now sing it out with me. I have found a friend in Jesus, he's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley, in him alone I see. All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow he's my comfort, in trouble he's my stay. He tells me every care on him to roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He all my griefs has taken and all my sorrows borne. In temptation, he's my strong and mighty tower. I have all for him forsaken and all my idols torn. From my heart and now he keeps me by his power. Though all the world forsake me and Satan tempt me sore, through Jesus I shall safely reach the goal. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here. 
while I live by faith and do his blessed will. A wall of fire about me, I've nothing now to fear. With his manna he my hungry soul shall fill. Then sweeping up to glory to see his blessed face, where rivers of delight shall ever roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here in your house this morning to worship you. We pray that you would bless the services. Lord, that you would bless the preaching. God, that you would speak to our hearts, soften our hearts. Lord, and challenge us. Father, give us the strength that we need to serve you this week and to be faithful Christians. Lord, we pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you as personal Savior, that through the preaching of your word, they'd be convicted, Lord, of their need. And Father, that they would finally surrender their lives to you. Lord, that you would do a wonderful work in their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's turn to page 458 and sing another song. 458, draw me nearer. 458. I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Sing it out, draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious living side. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed to the cross where thou hast died. Nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spent. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friends with friends. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, 
Let's do one more song, page 500, page 500, all for Jesus. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my being's ransom powers. Thoughts and words and doings, all my days and all my hours. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my days and all my hours. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my days and all my hours. Let my hands perform his bidding, let my feet run in his ways, let my eyes see Jesus only, let my lips beat forth his praise. Oh, for Jesus, oh, for Jesus, let my lips beat forth his praise. Jesus, all for Jesus, let my lips speak forth his praise. Since my eyes were fixed on Jesus, I've lost all of all beside. So enchain my spirit's vision, looking at the crucified. For Jesus, all for Jesus, looking at the crucified. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, looking at the crucified. Now this time we'll have all the children, 11 and under, dismissed to our junior church. Let's sing that last verse. Oh, what wonder, how amazing, Jesus, glorious King of kings, times to call me his beloved, lets me rest beneath his wings. Oh, for Jesus, oh, for Jesus, resting now beneath his wings. All for Jesus, resting now beneath his wings. Amen. And you may be seated.
my sinful heart was stirred but when I took him at his word forgiven he lifted me from sinking sand he lifted me with tender hand he lifted me from shades of night to plains of light oh praise his name he lifted me now on a well, yet how or why I cannot tell, he should have lifted me from sinking sand, he lifted me with tender hand, he lifted me from shades of night to plains of light. His name, he lifted me. Amen. Well, amen. I hope I'm connected. Am I connected? Okay. Well, this is good. And uh, I really appreciated uh, the music this morning. I actually paid attention to the words, right? <laughs> you know how it is sometimes you just kind of, uh, everybody, uh, it's song time, so we just sort of, we say the words. But uh, that all for Jesus, that's, it, it fits, amen? And he lifted me, it fits. Because he does, and he did. And praise the Lord, that's uh, what the Lord does. The gospel lifts people up, doesn't it? No matter where we are, no matter who we are, uh, the gospel lifts people up. And uh, it's a wonderful thing that we have the privilege to know Christ if we know him at this time. And uh, it's a great blessing. I wanted to just take one moment here uh, at the beginning. Uh, as you know, Pastor Montoro is on vacation. And so I'm the other guy that, that has an opportunity from time to time to fill in, and I, I appreciate it. But you pray for the preacher and his family as they travel, that they'll have a safe trip back. I'll tell you, talk about faith. Talk about a trip of faith in that old Ford, Ford van. And uh, maybe you're a Ford person. I'm going to insult you. When you're from Ohio, people are Ford people or they're GM people, General Motors people. Here, everybody's a Toyota person or a BMW person. But in Ohio, it's more of a Ford or GM but uh, it takes faith to go in an old Ford van. I mean, it takes faith. Especially put your ten little, ten little babies in, the, in there and your wife and then head out across those mountains. I don't know if you've ever been out west, but there's just nothing out there. Now, thankfully, there's still traffic. The only thing is there's people also doing the same thing you are. They're driving. There's not traffic, but there's people. It's not like it's totally desolate roads, but uh, appreciate their faith and and uh, not just in, in making this trip, but in general and in many other ways. But uh, I just want to take one moment 
uh, and I should explain who I am because you may be new here and, or you may not have seen me before. I haven't been in a Sunday service, Sunday morning service for a long time. It's been a year and a half at least. Um, and uh, so I'll, I'll just kind of introduce myself and say a little bit of a report because I'm a supported missionary besides having a, working with the Russian people here. I'm also a supported missionary of the church and that means that I owe you a report and I also owe you a report that makes sense. Amen? <laughs> Not just a report, but I felt like my report the last time didn't make sense. And uh, just because sometimes we have to go through some battles and some confusing circumstances as we try to go forward for the Lord. Uh, but I believe the work of the Lord, and I'll touch on it in the message, but is to plant churches. It, it is to do what Pastor Montoro did when he came here how many years ago with his uh, wife and his, uh, I think, maybe one child at that point, and uh, they, they planted this church, humanly speaking. Now, God builds the church, okay? He brings people together. Salvation is the Lord's, right? It's not Pastor Montoro's, right? It's not anybody else's. It's the Lord's business to save, and he's promised that he will build his church. Jesus Christ himself said that he will build his church. Wherever you preach Christ, the one foundation the only way of salvation, he will build his church. And we are witnesses. We're not talking about the mortar. We're not talking about the brick. We're talking about people, souls, that God brings together through the gospel by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm in the business, as you say, or the calling, or, uh, of also working to start a church, or church is, wherever I can. And uh, that brought me to New York after uh, nine years, eight years, eight years in Russia. And uh, where we, by God's grace, we were able to start a church in Western Siberia. And uh, I had problems with my visa, was not able to return to Russia, but still felt that the Lord wanted me to be working with Russian-speaking people, of whom there are many in this city, including some in this church. And that was my reason for coming here and uh, beginning here. And uh, God has blessed us, and we have cause to rejoice here in the, even the recent past. Our, our first uh, person that has accepted Christ through the ministry of the, the Russian-speaking church. Uh, and we rejoice in that, and uh, we are greatly encouraged by God's working in that way. It's a great blessing to us and uh, to you, I hope. Right? We're here to see people saved and then to go on and help them to grow in the Lord and help to gather in others. I've also been working in Brooklyn for the, la the last uh, uh, year and a half, call it a uh, good year and a half, uh, which is why you haven't seen me on Sunday morning. Right? I used to come on Sunday morning until I became involved in Brooklyn, where the Russian-speaking, the main Russian-speaking population lives. And uh, as best I can discern, the Lord's plan is that we ought to go to the place where the people are, right? Amen? That's what the Lord did. He left heaven where there were already only saved people, and he came to earth. He was the first missionary, the greatest missionary. Sometimes we say, oh, Paul's the greatest missionary. And uh, uh, humanly speaking, maybe he was. But the Lord himself left heaven and came to this earth because that's where the people were. And because salvation required that he himself become a human being, that he take on himself human flesh for our salvation. Without that, there would have been no salvation. Only through the Son of God, God the Son becoming flesh, could there be the hope of heaven 
for mankind. And so the Lord gave us that example that we must go where the people are. And in the, the case of the, the Russian community, there is a, some Russian community in Queens that's relatively small and it's some distance from uh, Astoria. Uh, but in Brooklyn, the main concentration, so I've known for really almost since I came that I needed to be involved there. I began working with a, a young church planter in a very young church. And I learned a lot there. I can't say that everything went exactly the way I would have hoped, but all things work together for good. And sometimes we do things simply to learn what we need to learn. And I'm now at a point, uh, I trust, where uh, it's time to now get down to business and to actually go about planning a church in Brooklyn while still continuing here. Nothing changes here, Sunday night and so forth. But in any case, I'm looking for a place to meet. And in this particular community, in this particular area, that's very difficult to find. I talked about this the last time. I won't belabor it. Just trust me. <laughs> I've spent months, months surveying the situation to, to uh, learn where the community is. And there's certain ins and outs of the community, certain places that, uh, even though it's in the Russian community, might not be the best place to be, and all such things. And uh, I've come to some working conclusions. And by God's grace, even have a couple of places in view. All of them are expensive. It's New York. It's not Cleveland. It's not Russia, right? Where it's Siberia, where a nice Siberian town, where you can, even Siberia is expensive now, by the way, relative to what it was by several times uh, just a few years ago. So inflation is everywhere, but particularly here. And so simply the cost of starting having a place to plant your feet, invite people in, and have a steady presence, it's, it's a very serious matter. And I, I would hope you would pray for me in that, uh, that we'll get it right and be where God wants us to be, that the Lord will open doors. And, uh, you know, we don't hope in a building and we don't hope in a location, right? Because then we'd be hoping in location. We'd be like business people that are just, they look, oh, well, it's location, location, location. Well, we're not business people. And it's not exactly location, 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 is it? In business it is, but in the Lord's work, it's the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, right? But God gives us a brain, and he gives us the example, and he gives us feet to go looking, and he gives us help to put us in a place where we trust we'll be in the community sufficiently to actually reach people. Not everyone's going to get on a bus or get on the subway and travel. Not everybody's going to do that or get in their car, uh, especially when they're lost, right? I mean, you have to be really looking to do that, and God can, can put a person in the position of really looking. But what I'm saying is that we, we trust in God, but we look for a good location. Amen? <laughs> How's that for talking out both sides of your mouth? Well, I thought he just said it's not location, location, location. This guy's telling us two things. I'm listening carefully. And I caught that other thing he said, and now he's saying something else. Well, I hope you're listening carefully, and I hope what I'm about to say from the message will make more sense of what I'm saying in the report. What I'm saying is pray about getting a place to start, please. If you join me in prayer on that and give wisdom as to what I've already found, what the Lord's brought to my attention, I'd appreciate that greatly. Uh, so that's the report. Did that make more sense than the other night? I hope so. Okay, I, we're trying to make things make sense, okay? 
But uh, the main thing is to continue. Please open your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 2, excuse me, 3. Philippians 3 and verses 13 and 14. Philippians chapter 3 and verses 13 and 14. Now, we won't read this entire chapter, although we could. It's a wonderful chapter. I think it's one of the great chapters in the Word of God. And uh, in this chapter, Paul tells us uh, many things. He talks about himself here a little bit so that we would get to know him. And uh, it helps us uh, to know him so that we understand ourselves a little bit uh, better, but we'll read chapter 3 and verse 13 and 14, and then we'll go into the message. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray this morning that you would bless your word, Father, that you would uh, help the words that I've planned here uh, to be truthful to what you've said, Lord, that we would be able to draw out practical points uh, for people living in the real world and trying to live a Christian life. Lord, help us to see the way of victory that lies in, in uh, simply three uh, instructions of yours in this in these two verses. Father, if there might be one here this morning that is not saved or not sure of being saved, not sure that they would be in heaven tonight if they were to die in the course of the day, Lord, we pray that you would bless also your word preached, that they might realize their need and realize the salvation that there is available in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, may you bless this time. May we be encouraged and challenged and strengthened. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A great chapter. In it, Paul tells us a number of things about himself, and I'm just going to take a, a moment and, and summarize them very briefly. Uh, he tells us who he was in the flesh, the Apostle Paul, and who God has made him in Christ. Now, Paul was a somebody. I'm not sure he was a somebody by birth because the tribe of Benjamin that's described earlier in this chapter was sort of a humble tribe. It was the smallest of the tribes and, uh, of Israel, and uh, not known uh, for a particular call of God like the Levites or, or other tribes or Judah to rule. And uh, Benjamin has a humble place, but by his own effort and uh, by God's natural en endowment uh, of ability and desire, uh, he rose in the religious world of his time. He was a devout Jew, a member of the, uh, the, the ruling council. He was a Pharisee. And, uh, you know, he was, he was somebody in his society. Uh, we're not a religious society. Uh, I'd say America is not a religious society. And one day, at one time it was. And the preachers were somebody. And the businessmen weren't even, they weren't even in sight yet. Somehow it got all flipped around. And the politicians, they're somebody. And the, and the businessmen, they're somebody. And a preacher's mercy, they're way down the list. And that's sad, and it says something about our society and how it's changed in the course of our history since the pilgrims came here. And, uh, but uh, Paul was somebody when he started. But the Bible tells us that the Lord made him somebody far greater 
when he accepted, uh, when, when the Lord appeared to him and he became Paul the great apostle. You know, the, the gospel lifts people up, doesn't it? We, we sang about it, or, or Brother Franz sang about it. From, from uh, shifting sands, he lifted me. And uh, they may have been religious sands, they may have looked solid to others, but his feet were on quicksand and he was one step from hell and going under, one breath away, you see? And God lifted him up and made him the great apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's who he was in the flesh and who God made him in Christ. This chapter tells us where he came from and where he was now going, having met the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a religious Jew. Uh, yesterday... Uh, in the course of my travels, I, I, I went down 18th Avenue, and, and I, I don't know if that goes right through Borough Park or, or around Borough Park, but uh, that place was shuttered. It was closed down, buddy. Nobody, was, nobody had their gates open. Nobody was selling anything. It, it, was, it was the Sabbath day. It was the Sabbath day. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, God gave the Sabbath day. God gave the Sabbath day. And that's not a law of man. That's not a tradition of man. God gave that. And I, I wonder if we're not all a whole lot poorer for the fact that we don't keep any kind of real Sabbath. Right? Where you actually rest from it all. You don't do your laundry. <laughs> One of my pet peeves is, and I understand, you've got to do your laundry. If you're working six days, when are you going to do your laundry? You're going to do it on the seventh day. But it's sad when you've got to do your laundry on the only day that you could possibly rest. I think that's sad. And if you can make a choice that gives you time where you don't have to spend every waking minute of your life making money, now I understand the city, and that's why the property, that's what I'm dealing with in Brooklyn. The property is unbelievable. I mean, it's ten times more expensive what it would be in Cleveland. Same property. Ten times. Wow. I mean, if you had a city property, maybe not exactly comparable neighborhood. I'm just saying it's dramatic. And so I understand the need to work. But I'm just saying, uh, but Paul came from a world where you kept the Sabbath and you kept a whole lot of other rules that God never gave. I saw, I was driving down 18th Avenue, same shuttered streets. I mean, nothing was open for blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks because it was a religious neighborhood. It's a Jewish neighborhood. Well, Paul came from a world like that, you see? And, uh, uh, and I, I saw these fellas uh, with beards and walking with these big fur hats. I don't know what group of Jews that is. Uh, I know not all wear those hats like that, but th these huge hats, which uh, maybe in Poland they look okay, but especially in August, and it's 85 degrees, strange, isn't it? Well, God never told anybody to wear hats like that. I'm not saying they don't have a right to wear a hat, and I'm not mocking. I'm just saying that's man's tradition. Keeping the Sabbath is one thing. Wearing the hat, that's, men develop that. But Paul came from a world where he had, a, he had all the traditions and all of God's law, and he was somebody in that world. But what he found was freedom in Christ. And this chapter tells us about that. He found real salvation, real service to God, not in rules, not in outward ordinances that God never gave, but in heart, love, and obedience to God, the God of heaven, and to his Son that he sent into this world for our salvation. Paul tells us where he came from and where he now was going because he was free in Christ. And he also tells us why he willingly gave up advantages he once had. You know, in a religious society, what an advantage to be the rabbi. 
when you want to talk about honor, you want to talk about respect, you want to talk about being somebody in a way that maybe, maybe Wall Street understands it when, when our, our mayor or your mayor or whoever's mayor, am I a New Yorker? Yeah, I don't know what I am. Am I a Russian? I, am I from Ohio? Who am I? Anybody? We'll take a vote. We'll decide. I'm kidding. But when Mike Bloomberg walks in or Donald Trump, his honor, walks in, there's a hush goes over the place because he's got more money than everybody else, right? I mean, hello, and what do we value in our, in our society? Hello, but in a religious society, Paul had it all. And when that rabbi, when Menachem Schneerson that died and did not rise from the dead, amen? I'm talking about the man, that Lubavitcher, that said that he was maybe playing coy, maybe he's the Messiah. Well, I want to tell you, the scripture says that he did not suffer his soul to see corruption. And I guarantee you, his soul is corrupted, his body is corrupted, and he has returned to the dust. He wasn't the Messiah. He was not Christ. Christ already came 2,000 years before, Mr. Schneerson. You see? And uh, Paul found that out 2,000 years ago. And what he, uh, he, he lost a lot. He lost all of that honor, that hush that came over the room when the Rebbe walked into the room. And when he just waved his hand or said something or uttered some obscure utterance from the Talmud and everybody bowed. I'm serious. I, I'm not here to mock religious traditions. I'm just speaking fact. Paul had all of that at a time when, uh, when that's all that, that meant anything. There was no distraction there, relatively little distraction. But this is what he also tells us here, why he willingly gave up advantages he once had and could not keep to gain an inheritance and a reward that he could not lose. Now, that was a mouthful. And I'm going to say that again, just because it was a mouthful. And I'm going to give you another phrase that's even no less of a mouthful. Okay? Uh, but it's worth saying because it's really well said. Why he willingly gave up advantages. He once had all of that respect, honor, high position. He gave it up. Because he, and he could never have kept it. It would have ended with the grave. Just like Menachem Schneerson, the, the, uh, uh, the Messiah, uh, pretender, whatever you want to say, uh, playing coy that maybe he might be Christ because he was held in such respect that these deluded folks that were following him would some... Is this... Am I losing you? Uh, uh, <laughs> Last time I did, I, I did better than I'm doing this time. I'm, I'm not here to... What I'm here to say is that when Christ came, he died for our sins and rose from the dead. And Paul met with him one day because he had risen from the dead. You see? I mean, that's how, that's how Paul was, was put in the, in the ministry of going to the Gentiles. Imagine from being the rabbi that everyone bows to, to being the apostle to the Gentiles, to the heathen, to the idol worshipers. You talk about losing advantage. You talk about giving up position. You talk about surrendering all. We sing about, I surrender all. Well, he did it. But he gained something that he could not lose. 
He could never have kept the honor. He could never have kept the glory. The position ended with the grave. The reverence ended with the last, when they, when they shut the coffin on him or whatever the equivalent, when they rolled the stone on the cave, that was it. But when Paul lived for the glory of God and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ that met him one day on the road to Damascus, everything he did on this earth he took with him and he met it in heaven. How many souls were saved? We're a fruit of Paul's ministry in one sense. We're Gentiles, most of us. Uh, we're, not, we're not Jewish by, by origin. And uh, through the years and through the churches and faithful people continuing to preach the word, we heard. Somebody dropped the ball. Any generation that didn't, that didn't faithfully preach the word to their children and teach that generation, it would all end it. But God said, Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's to say the word of God would always be preached. There would always be faithful churches. Even in the dark ages of, the, of, of, uh, of Western history, when the institutional church went absolutely bad and had totally lost the gospel, there were still churches like this one that preached the gospel, that tell you how to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ, not through uh, baptism, not through religious works, confession, purgatory, any of these things that are really the inventions of man or a misunderstanding of the scripture, but through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul knew these things, and he gave up all of that position to gain Christ. And through him, humanly speaking, maybe we gain Christ. So yeah... All of the shouting stopped and the, the reverence and the hush in the room. And instead of the hush in the room, it became a ruckus in the room when he walked in. Because Paul, that former, uh, former Pharisee that now was preaching Christ that before he used to persecute, he's in the room and so there was, every place he went, he got chased out of it. I mean, I've been studying it this last, uh, last few days and it's it's amazing story. Every place he went, he was chased out of it. But he knew what a, a man named Jim Elliot said this. That man is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Did you get that? It's a lot of the same words, but it isn't if you, if you break it down. A man is not a fool to give up things that he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You see? Paul gave up the glory that he could never keep to gain an eternal glory that he could not lose. And that's wisdom. He sums up his wisdom in three principles in these two verses. Uh, we'll just try to draw uh, these points here, uh, hopefully briefly. These are really uh, instructions or uh, exhortations. Exhortation's an old word. It's telling us what to do. You know, God has the right to tell us what to do. Anybody here shocked at that? He really, he has the right to go far beyond just suggesting. You know, it wasn't the ten suggestions, right? The joke goes, right? I mean, these days, the way people uh, deal with their children, sometimes it's just like the suggestions to them what they're supposed to do. And maybe if they want to, they should. And if they don't want to, they, they, they don't, you know. My goodness, there's commandments. We're commanded what to do, right? And, and, uh, uh, and, and God has that right. So he encourages us and he instructs us what we're to do. And I, think we, I hope we'll see these things uh, in verse 13. 
Paul says this, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. First thing here that I think we can draw is just a simple principle, but very important, is keep it simple. In the Christian life, keep it simple. Paul said here, this one thing I do. He said, I do one thing. I do one thing. That's to say we are to do one thing and not two things. And uh, I was reading somewhere uh, a little bit and, uh, about how young people today or people today are, are, are trying to multitask. You know what multitasking is? It's trying to walk and chew bubble gum at the same time. <laughs> no, it's a little more complicated than that. Multitasking electronically is you're sending email. It's all electronic things. See, you're sending an email or an instant message, and you're talking on the phone, and you're listening to the radio, and you're, I guarantee you, you aren't doing any of those very well. It's a lousy message, probably not worth sending, that you're instant messaging, right? You, can't, you didn't understand a word that the person was saying to you on the phone. The music wasn't worth listening to. You know what I'm saying? It's just all junk, but a lot of it all at the same time. Because God really has made us to do one thing at a time and one thing in general. Not two things even, but one thing. You think about uh, even how God made us physically. You know, you can learn some things just from uh, looking at ourselves physically and think of, you know, God made us. God made us. We didn't just happen. It wasn't a, an evolutionary advantage that we have two eyes. I, I heard one time a, an evolutionist, very famous evolutionist. I think it, was, it may even have been Darwin. And, and uh, Darwin, or, or an equal, one of equal stature, he said, the very thought of the eye of a fish or the eye of, a, of another uh, animal and the eye of man evolving separately, because they would have to evolve totally separately if they don't come from each other, the eye of a frog or whatever, makes me sick to my stomach. In other words, even a great evolutionist understood that for all of these things to evolve to the perfection that they are, that we have, we don't even think about it. What an amazing thing it is just to be able to see, and provided we're healthy to see in color, and to see at night and to see in bright daylight, I mean, just the degree of design that it takes for our eyes to function, not just our eyes, but the eyes of a dog, the, uh, the eyes of bugs. You know, there, there's, creatures, there's creatures in, I read this one time, there, 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 are, there are water creatures. They basically live in water, but they live in shallow water. And they have two parts of their eyes. Their eyes. One part is so that they can see in the air, and the other, it's like bifocals. God gave them bifocals. The other part sees perfectly underwater. Now, if you think that happened by an accident, I mean, just keep coming to church, keep listening, because with time, you'll understand. There, I mean, just think about it. There's a blindness that goes with believing evolution. I'm convinced of it. I mean, people just don't want to face the fact that there's a creator if it's not evolution, and there's a judge if there's not evolution. That's really what the issue is. Because otherwise, if you just think about it, how could that possibly be without someone to create that? 
Uh, but in any case, God gave us two eyes. But you know, uh, and if you close one eye, I'm seeing the right side of the building. For me, it's the right side. And if I close my right eye, I'm seeing the left side of the building. They're actually seeing totally different things, right? I mean, I don't see anything over there with this eye. But my brain and your brain is so made that we've got to have one, right? We want one. We don't want, we can't do with two. We couldn't make sense out of two. We've got to have one image, right? And, and as different as the information is coming from this eye and the different uh, as it is from the information coming from this eye, by the time it gets to our brain and by the time God's design is fulfilled, you end up with one. You don't end up with multi-screens and you're multitasking again. You're one-tasking. You're unitasking or whatever the other word is. That There was no need for that word. <laughs> Uh, until there was multitasking. What I'm saying is this, that God has made us for one. Not even for two, but for one. You see, for one purpose, for one task. Look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, please, if you would. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. Now, this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking, and he tells us this. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot. Why? Because God has made you to serve one. It's either going to be mammon or it's going to be God. When the, God, when the Bible tells us here, you cannot serve, you can't. You cannot serve both, you see? God has made us for one. We're going to end up serving one of those, in fact. You see? And uh, I just, it, it's, it's interesting and it's no coincidence here that when we talk about two masters and we really only have one, that it's talking about money. And again, I hit on it a little bit earlier, but we'll hit on it again. <coughs> and uh, be careful about money. It's the God of this world, especially in this city. Okay, I'm just going to, it's free and you'll hate me for it, but you ought to love me for it. <laughs> if you're going to love me for anything, love me for that, okay? Uh, it's true. It's true. Be careful about money. It, it's really, it, there's, it's too much about money here. And if we don't, if we aren't careful about it, we're going to be too much about money. Right? We're supposed to be too much about God. We're supposed to be about one. And the city isn't, and man's culture is never about God, really. Right? Except in a rare culture, like maybe the Massachusetts in 1620. Okay, it really was about God. And the rest of it was incidental, didn't matter. Uh, but since then, and in Massachusetts, give it another 50 years, it was all of a sudden it was about money. And ships from Boston going all over the world, and all of a sudden the preacher is here and the businessman is here. Amazing how that happened. It happened in one generation. I, I've, I've read the history of it. It's scary. doesn't take long. We're wired to love something more than money. The God, because we're, we're, we're wired for one. <laughs> we just are. We're made for one. And... 
That one is the second point, <laughs> which we'll get to in just one second. But uh, above, the, just think about your legs, right? God gave us two legs. Think about us again. God made us. God gave us two legs, didn't he? And I don't care how great an athlete a person may be, Michael Jordan himself, some of these uh, tremendous runners uh, that, uh, that, that uh, or, or ballet people or gymnasts, I guarantee you that both legs go in one direction. Right? You don't see Michael Jordan walking to the right and walking to the left at any time. If you do, film it. <laughs> we'll put it on the internet and everybody will go watch it and we'll all get wealthy together, but we'll, we'll give it to the Lord. Amen? What I'm saying is that God gave us two legs, but we end up walking in one direction, don't we? Right? I mean, nobody goes in two directions at the same time. Right? Because God made us for one and not for two. He's made us for one thing. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Second is keep it spiritual. Keep it spiritual. Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There was the one thing. He pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You see... It's one thing, not two things. And it's the right thing and not the wrong thing. Right? God has made us for one thing. And if we're going to only end up doing one from the heart, we need to make sure it's the right thing. Is Donald Trump making the right choice? Hello? He's chosen something he cannot keep and lives thoughtless of what he cannot lose if he were to gain it. You see? Wrong, wrong choice. Bad. Right? God has made us for one thing, and we need to be sure it's the right thing. What is the right thing? God doesn't hide that. He wants us to know. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. It's the first commandment, and the greatest of the commandments. By the way, it's the greatest proof of our sinful nature. Right there. Do we love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength? And the very fact that, that no one in this room could ever say that they've loved God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength means we're guilty of breaking the first and the greatest commandment, which makes us among the first and the greatest of sinners, doesn't it? But thankfully, we have the first and the greatest of saviors, don't we? Who from shifting sands will lift anyone who will call out to him in faith, anyone who will look to him and trust in the blood that he shed one day on the cross. He will lift them out of those sands into eternal glory, forgiving all of our sins. You see, we have a great need because we've broken with all of our life and all of our strength and mind and soul, the first and the greatest commandment. You see? But Jesus Christ came and obeyed it. Isn't that wonderful? 
he kept the commandment. He kept the first commandment. He kept the greatest of the commandments fully, totally, from the cradle to the cross and the grave and beyond. He kept the law of God and the first and the greatest commandment to love God with all his heart and soul and mind, and he kept it perfectly. And it's he who can save sinners from hell. If you're drowning in the ocean and everyone you know is drowning in the ocean, who's going to save you? Did I say this on... I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I will risk it. Because I like the illustration. Uh, but uh, if you're drowning in the ocean and everyone else you know is drowning in the ocean, who's going to save you? Somebody else that's drowning in the ocean? Somebody's got to come from above. Somebody's got to come from above that, that's not affected by the ocean waves, that's not drowning along with you. Somebody that's separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens, but who became flesh to take upon himself our sins, and he did. Hallelujah, he did. And that's how he lifted it. He, he went into the sifting sand for us. And he was immersed under them, into the grave, and he rose. And he's alive to save to the uttermost them who come to God through him. No matter what we've done, no matter who we are, God will lift us in to heavenly places, forgive our sins, and give us an inheritance in glory. You see, we're to think about the eternal and not the temporal and keep it spiritual. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you want to turn there, uh, that would be fine. It's a good place to turn. Maybe if you didn't turn from the other place, you're still there. <laughs> I don't know where we are here. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Again, same passage where he's saying you can't have two masters. You're going to have one. Choose. And choose spiritually the right choice. You see? Verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. If you're here today, maybe this morning, I, I really, uh, some folks here I've, ne I, I've not had the pleasure to meet yet, so I don't know everybody here by a far sight. Uh, but uh, I just want to tell you, this message is, is about the Christian life, but God's call is to become a Christian. That's the first call, and the great call is to become a Christian. And that is through Jesus Christ. Seek Christ. Seek Him. You know, don't worry about religion. Just seek Christ. Right? Sometimes folks come in and they've seen a lot of churches or been in churches or maybe done other different kinds of looking in spiritual places. And, and uh, what we need to do is just this. Seek Jesus Christ Himself. I guarantee you He will never disappoint you. And uh, He will be your savior if you will look to him in faith. You see, we're to, be, we're to keep it simple, one thing and not two things. Obviously, the one thing needs to be the right thing and not the wrong thing, the spiritual. We need to choose. God wants to use us through his church. What is the kingdom of God? Well, this is the local office, right? This is the local office of the kingdom of God, right? Citigroup is a big corporation. And they've got local offices all over, don't they? So that you can go and I can go. We can do our banking locally. 
right? Because we're not going to go on to whatever it is, uh, Lexington Avenue and whatever it is. Is it Lexington? Wherever it is. We're not going to go. I'm not, I don't want to get on the subway just to get $20 out of the ATM. Showing the humble man that I am, $20 does it. <laughs> yes. Occasional plate of beans. and <laughs> yes. I'm kidding, but really, you see, it's a big organization. It has local representation because it wants your constant activity. Well, God's kingdom is very great. It goes all over the world. Right? Praise the Lord. Uh, it's not Sunday every place, or it's not Sunday morning every place, but I guarantee you, uh, any time in the, in the 24 hours on Sunday, uh, someplace in the world, there's millions of people worshiping God. Isn't that wonderful? And they don't have to go to West 56th Street. They don't have to go to the Jehovah Watchtower on, uh, on, uh, across from Wall Street. They don't have to do that. You see? And they shouldn't do that, and they won't. That's not the kingdom of God. You understand what I'm saying? This is the local representation of the kingdom of God. And I, I'm serious. That's what it is. And uh, we ought to esteem it as such. We ought to participate in it as such. It's no less than that. And uh, uh, if we're going to seek the kingdom of God, it will be through his... Just be friendly. Well, how, what, what do you have to do in the church? I don't have a ministry. Just be friendly. Right? How many people at work greet you with a, with a glad and warm and sincere greeting when you walk in the door? Can we have a show of hands on that? Okay. <laughs> Where do you want to work? Where do you work? I want to talk to you. There's one person in this room that's greeted with a warm, sincere, heartfelt greeting. And maybe you work in your, at home in your office, right? <laughs> All by yourself. No, I'm kidding. And, uh, but seriously, it's a cruel world. I mean, it, uh, Karl Marx would have loved this place, right? Exploited capital, right? They're just using you to make money. And you show up, you showed up yesterday, you showed up again, do it another four days and we'll give you a paycheck. Amen? I'm serious. I mean, is it warm? Is it receiving? Is it grateful for your present? Is it glad that you're you? I don't think so. I don't think so, but the church is. The church is. You don't have to, you don't have to be anything except, uh, except interested enough to come. Right? If you, if you are saved and follow on with the Lord, that's, that's even more wonderful. But I'm just saying that this is a place where people love one another just because they're them. Right? And because they're making some place for God in their life, whatever that may be at this point. You see? That's what the church is to be. Just be friendly here. And greet somebody and just be sincere and warm about it because it's worth the, it'll be worth the trip for somebody to come. I'm serious. It's dog-eat-dog, dog, or as preacher says here, right? It, it's a rat race and the biggest rat wins, right? <laughs> Isn't that what he says? Uh, it, it's true. There's no rat race here. Nobody's, nobody's in competition to get up front and have their... I mean, it, it's not about that. It's not. It's about loving your neighbor and, and loving the Lord Jesus Christ and trying to know his will better and, and trying to live in a wicked world that, and, and encourage one another. So serve the Lord, keep it spiritual, and, and that's going to be through the local church. And finally, keep it steady. Just keep it steady. Verse 14 says, I press toward the mark. 
I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I, that, that word, if you look at it, it really means to pursue. To pursue. What does pursue mean? I had to look it up. Uh, it, it, it means to, uh, to follow in order determinedly. That means you're determined, right? To follow in a determined way in order to overtake, capture, or kill. It's often used in a police sense. We'll get there in a moment, but I, made, I didn't say my first point, which is this. Don't quit. We'll come back to the second point, Lord willing, here in a second, but just don't quit. Keep it steady. So much in the Christian life is just staying in it, right? And keeping on and keep doing right and don't stop. You see? Sometimes people in churches, they'll, they'll let what somebody else does or doesn't do, uh, they, they'll let that get in their way. And they'll get all upset about that and get offended. And, and all. Boy, we ought, not, we ought not be concerned about that. Because we're not following somebody else. And we're, but we're, uh, we're, we're following the Lord Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you, he will never disappoint you. He will he will never disappoint you. Never. Never. Now, people are sinners. And uh, in a, in a, a, a Bible-believing church, they're sinners that are saved by God's grace. But there's still a lot of that old nature around. We don't do what we ought to do. And whoever we are and looking at what other people are doing, we're not doing what we ought to do either. Right? Okay, if we've got that... Uh, you know, we're looking at, at uh, specks in other people's eyes. What about the, 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 uh, the, the, the tree that's in ours, right? The log that's in ours. Uh, but what I'm saying is don't quit. Don't quit. Even in the ministry, people do strange things. They quit. They just quit. I'm talking about people that would be standing in, in this position. And, and uh, I remember one fellow, he went out of Cleveland Baptist Church and, and, uh, as a church planter and went up to New England, someplace in Massachusetts. And uh, he uh, worked to start a church. And he had something like 70 or 80 people coming. And uh, faithfully, and, and things were going, I would, I would say, well, uh, New England is, uh, is not an easy place. Uh, as far as the gospel goes, he was doing well. But he got reading too many Christian newspapers about how so-and-so had so many people saved and so many big things happening at their church or whatever it was, and he just got discouraged, decided that it, he wasn't successful, and he quit. I mean, he literally quit, abandoned the church, left, and somebody else had to come in. I mean, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wrong wrong we keep it steady we keep it steady we keep doing what god wants us to do and we do a day in and we do a day out uh, no matter what uh, may may arise from the part of people uh, at, at work or at home or at church it doesn't matter we we keep because it's unto the lord we're living unto the lord you see just don't quit the blessing is always around the corner Sometimes people quit, they get discouraged, they got some question that doesn't get answered or some doubt that they can't resolve or whatever. Just, just stay with it. Stay with it. And the question will be answered, the doubt will be resolved, and you will find really what you are seeking. You see, we need to be steady. I press toward the mark. It means to pursue. To pursue. That is to say, in a determined way, 
to try to overtake or capture or, or, uh, or kill. We don't want to think of it that way, but it's often used that way, the word uh, pursue. Police pursue a suspect in a crime. Right? High-speed chase, right? They're pursuing, you see? That means that they don't stop and see a Dunkin' Donuts open. Right? And Lenny says to Vinny, hey, look, Dunkin' Donuts is open, let's stop. They're in pursuit. Right? You don't stop for a Dunkin' Donuts and get a coffee and sit, put your feet. We're in pursuit. Well, we're in pursuit as well. Right? I press toward the mark. You see, we're in pursuit as well. We are, what are we doing? We are pursuing the will of God. We are pressing toward God to, to do His will, His good and acceptable and perfect will in this life. That, that's really what it's about. I press toward the mark. Keep it simple. Keep it spiritual. Keep it steady. It, it's continuous effort. It's continuous service. It's continuous pressing forward uh, that, that gains the prize uh, in, in, in Christianity. Uh, there's a, I'm just talking about the word pursuit and, and what this means. And it's sort of an unusual illustration or strange illustration because it was very corrupt, but uh, the result was corrupt. But you've read about the Tour de France, the bike, bike, bicycle race. And there was this fellow that actually won the race. And I forget his name right now. I managed to remember it this morning. And then, of course, it's gone. <laughs> Long gone. And it doesn't matter, because you know that he did win the race, but I actually I'd, I had happened to read something about him before the race. And he was a really unusual guy. Uh, the fellow that won the Floyd Landis, there it is. See, just proving that it is in there somewhere. Maybe misplaced, but it's in there. And uh, Floyd Landis was his name. And, uh, you know, he was a physical wreck as far as his knees go. I mean, his knees actually, he desperately needed an operation. If you can imagine this, that his, his knees were deteriorating and causing him literally constant pain that he just lived with. And uh, he was in such pursuit of the goal that he, that he wrote, I mean, if there's a physically demanding thing in the world, especially on your knees, it's bicycle racing. My goodness, up hills, up mountains even. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, just uh, as far as the, the idea of pursuing, that's all I'm talking about there. And uh, uh, he, he truly pursued the prize and would not be deterred in the least, you see. Well, he did it to receive a corruptible crown, right? I don't know what they, if they receive a cup or a... I don't know what they receive at the end of that race, but all of that, all of that pain that he endured, training hours and hours and hours a day for years of his life, it was all to receive a corruptible crown. The Bible uses the term corruptible crown. Let's say it's an honor that, that just stays with this life. It, has no, uh, it lasts no longer than this life. And in his case, it lasts just a matter of a few weeks. Isn't that amazing? All of that. To, to, to lose it. You see, wrong goal, right? Wrong goal. See, one thing for him, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, but the wrong thing. But it's a good, in a, in a human sense, it's an example of pursuit, isn't it? 
of pursuing what's, in this case, not worthy. But we have the opportunity to pursue an incorruptible crown. And in this life, to live for God in such a way that one day you even will receive a reward. And a reward that will not be touched, but that God will give us and will be forever. You see, he strove unlawfully. He used the wrong means, didn't he? He cheated, as seems to be the way today. So much said on the one thing and the wrong thing that they have to use the wrong means to get there. It's a tragic story, really. It's, it's a horrible story. Uh, but think about our means. If we're in pursuing a, of the worthy goal, we have lawful means, don't we? We have the best of means. Our law is love. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. That means we're going to do right. We're going to be helpful. We're going to be a blessing. We're going to share the love of God. We're going to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see? That's what we need to do steadily and steadfastly, not looking back. What the scripture tells us is uh, maybe we should turn there, and I am about to close. I'll just tell you that in case it's been long. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In verse 58, on this final point, keep it steady. If we're serving the Lord, if we're saved and we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ, keep it steady. And don't let anything change that. And uh, because that's really one of the great keys. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's what we need, you see. God has made us for one thing and not even two. And the right thing and not the wrong thing. To live for God and to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and to serve him in this life. And then to keep it steady. To keep on the right thing and the one thing steadfastly. Steadfastly. It's a great key to the Christian life. Now Christian, maybe you're here this morning and, and uh, I'm speaking to Christians for a moment. Now maybe there's just too many things. And maybe we think, well, it may, it may be for one thing, but I'm going to do two. In fact, I'm going to do three. One thing. One thing. Maybe we need to lay the other thing or the other several things at the altar. There's an altar here at the front of the church. It's a place that people come and they pray. It's a great place to leave things. You can come and you can pray and leave Maybe there's something that's distracted us, the wrong thing. Or maybe instead of steadfastness and steadiness, we're wobbling or we're weakening or we're wandering. If that be the case, what a, what a wonderful time to come and pray or in our place pray and just ask God, give me strength to stay steady, to stay steadfast, and to continue to do the things that I know to do. May the Lord will point out what to go beyond and to do. And to the lost, anyone that may have come as a visitor and first time or maybe not the first time, seek Christ. He's the one 
He is the one who is worth seeking. To know him is to know eternal life. To receive him is to have the forgiveness of sins. It's not in religion. There's nothing magic in this building. There's no priest can help us. No baptism can take away our sins. But Jesus Christ himself died for our sins on the cross. And if we will accept him as our own Lord and Savior, believe in him with all of our heart, God will save us right then and there. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be together in your house this morning. Lord, to open the scripture. Father, to speak of your truth, to speak of the Son of God, the way of salvation. Lord, to point out the good and the right way that you would have your people, your children, to go in. Father, may you help us to search our hearts, those who are Christians, about our way, whether we're single in our mind and heart or double-minded. Lord, whether the main thing is the main thing or is slipped to second or third, whether we're keeping it steady or wobbling or wavering in some way. Lord, may you search our hearts as to whether we're truly saved. There is forgiveness in the cross. Help, Lord, if there might be one here this morning that does not have peace with you to realize that they can come to Jesus Christ and find full and perfect and eternal salvation. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I wonder how many this morning would just take a moment and... and Give a simple testimony of, of faith in Christ by an upraised hand. Say, preacher, I, I know that I'm saved. I remember a time and a place or a, a period of time in my life when I did come to Christ as my Savior, and I'm sure that heaven is my home. How many could honestly say that this morning and show that, testify to that fact by an upraised hand? Thank you so much for your hand. Maybe there might be one here this morning that honestly could not say yes to that question because really there is not peace or understanding maybe in the heart at this time. I wonder if I could pray for you in the closing prayer. I won't single you out or call attention in any way, but I just would like to pray for you. If so, would you raise your hand and I would just remember you in the closing prayer. Say, preacher, pray for me. I'm really not sure about peace with God. Thank you for that hand. Is there another this morning? Say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure that heaven is my home. I wonder if Christians this morning, there might be one here that would say, there was something in that message that I did need. There's an area where I've, I've let the best thing slip. I've let the one thing become two. Pray for me that I would find the perfect and full and good will of God in my life. Could I pray for you this morning? Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. I do see those hands. Now, Father, may you bless this time of invitation. And, Lord, if, as you've spoken to hearts, we ask that people would come, bring their need to the altar, and find the help that they need, as you've promised to give them. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Franz. The invitation hymn is 541, only trust him.
aren't they? Only trust him and he will save you. It's the promise of God and it's true. I remember 20, however many years, 25 will be this year, years ago when I came and I trusted him. I didn't understand a lot, but I understood I was a sinner and I understood Jesus was the Savior. That's all you need. You don't have to understand a whole lot except that. And if you'll come and trust Christ as your Savior, he will meet you. And we will take the Bible with you. If you're a man, we'll, I would myself or another man that knows the Bible well, will open the Bible with you and help you to see the way of salvation. If you're a lady, a lady would do the same. But please take this opportunity as we sing the second verse. Christian, if you have a need, please come. Let his precious blood rich blessings to bestow now into the crimson flood that washes white as snow. Only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Him now. He will save you. sing the third and that'll be the last please take this opportunity to come and yes, God will meet you this is the truth the way that leads you into rest believe in him without delay and you are fully blessed only trust him Franz, would you do what needs to be done at the end of the service, please? You Thank may you. Be All right. Is this on here? All right. Take some time to uh, read the uh, bulletin and the uh, missionary uh, reports uh, on the back of your bulletin here. Uh, Pastor and his family should be back uh, this Saturday, Lord willing. Uh, so far, everything has been going well with the van. Haven't had any major issues. They have uh, been traveling 
of getting everywhere they need to go to their preachers' conferences and meetings. So uh, open door, get ready, because next Sunday, pastor's kids are going to tell you 500 stories, 10 different ways. I mean, they're ready to tell you everything they experienced. And from little Esther to <laughs> Peter, they're all going to tell you each version of the story there. So um, uh, just get ready. Let's pray for them that they get back safely. Uh, it's going to be a, a blessing to have them back after the services, after we sing the benediction. Uh, we would like, Ted and I were talking with some other people, we'd like to do something special for them when they come back Sunday. Uh, they had to throw out most of their food in the refrigerator uh, because they knew that they were not going to be here. They shut off the electricity and everything else up there uh, to keep it fire safe. Now, when they come back, chances are they're not going to have lunch, uh, something ready for lunch in the afternoon. The idea is for us to meet here for a quick five minutes to think of something we might be able to do, like a, a little lunch for them after services next Sunday. We can let them know, Pastor, don't worry about it. The church will take care of it. We can have some fellowship downstairs. But the, the idea is to figure out what to get, whether we're going to uh, chip in to purchase something or whether we all chip in and bring in food. So that's why we need to meet after services. All of you that want to be a part of that blessing, we need you to sit here for five minutes after services so we can figure it out. And uh, we got a week. I know it's short notice, but um, we believe that uh, Pastor, his wife and family have certainly deserved it. And uh, we just like to be a blessing uh, to them for that. Regular services will continue. Tonight, uh, speaking to third person, Brother Franz will be preaching. Um, yeah, and uh, <laughs> next Thursday, that's me, by, by the way. Um, Next Thursday uh, night, Brother Saravia at 7.30 will be preaching for us. He's the preacher of the Spanish services downstairs. And at 7 o'clock Thursday, there will still be the uh, White Unto Harvest prayer meeting. And, and of course, visitation. Uh, church, if we want to be a light and a beacon, salt to Astoria, we need more people showing up for visitation on Saturday. We've got to be here as a church, as a corporate uh, body, to pass out tracks. We can't do it on our own. We all need people to chip in. It's only from two to three, two to four. Give some time. We'll split up in groups. We we'll go to Steinway, go to 30th Avenue, even go up to Crescent. But we want to see souls saved. We got to get out there giving the gospel. And one of those ways of outreach is through passing out tracks. Otherwise, the Jehovah's sicknesses, I mean, witnesses will think they're the only ones doing it. We got to go out, reach souls. So next uh, Saturday, We'd like to see a good group of you come here at 2 o'clock. We'll have visitation, pass out tracks, and uh, we'll see what the Lord will do with that. Amen? So uh, take care there. Just, just read the bulletin. We'll see you here uh, after services at this time. Part of our worship to the Lord is our offering. We'll have our ushers come this time. We'll receive Lord's offering.
Amen. Brother George, would you uh, pray for the offering this morning? Uh, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this sunny morning. We thank you, Lord, for your message. Uh, continues to teach us how to uh, hold fast unto your word so that we can grow as a church and serve you according to your will. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, most of all, for your love that you sent your only son to die for us so that we can have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord, for this provision that allow us to partake in this offering. May you accept it and bless it. Uh, Lord, continue to watch over us as we leave this place. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. And uh, if you need the word, 705, take the name of Jesus with you. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then where'er you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Thank you for being with us. We'll meet here real quickly for those interested. Testing, testing. All right, uh, for those of you uh, participating in the uh, next Saturday's uh, event, if we can just gather up here quickly, because I know we're hungry, we need to eat, get lunch. Uh, next Sunday, right? Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Yes. Yeah, what did you say? I mean, what did you tell them thus far? 
Yeah. All right. So um, they've been gone for almost three weeks now. So uh, when they get back, they, they emptied their fridge out and, you know, just propped it open and stuff and unplugged it. So I was thinking it'd be nice to do something nice for them anyway, you know, just because they're our pastor and his family. And, and uh, so I, I thought maybe since they're going to have to scramble, uh, depending on when they get in on uh, Saturday, because they're coming in at some point on Saturday, and I don't know what traffic's going to be like, and pastor's scheduled to preach on Sunday morning. So I thought maybe it'd be nice to do something for them for their lunch. Now, we can have something. Um, it's very last minute. I know that's the case. So, you know, we can just, you know, have Uncle George's make them lunch. We can bring stuff and have a fellowship. There's a couple of different options. And, um, or, you know, we don't necessarily have to do anything. Um, and, and that would be fine, too. I talked to him yesterday, and I told him not to worry about um, Sunday dinner that we would take care of it and he was under the impression when I said we I was talking about Sharon and I so if Sharon and I just take care of his Sunday dinner that's he'll, he'll that'll be fine too but I don't know I mean I, it's kind of like springing it on everyone I know that but is that something that we would we would want to do as a church for the pastor okay um, so do we want to do like a potluck? Do we want to bring different dishes and have something downstairs after church? Do we want to just have Uncle George's cater it? Because we can do that. Who wants a potluck? Okay, yeah, let's do that. Thank you. Add some order. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Thank you. It can be either. It can be both. I would. This is what I was thinking. First of all, this. Okay, so there's the there's the Sunday dinner aspect that they're going to have to figure out. Okay, that I thought we could take care of. Secondly, they don't have a microwave. Well, they have a microwave, but like, I don't know, five out of the fifteen buttons are functional. So they figure out. They kind of have a system at this point to guess which one's going to cook the food. Okay, so for a hundred bucks. You can get them a good microwave that they'll be able to use for a long time. And I thought that would be a nice gift to give them when they got back as a, you know, welcome back, we love you, you know, kind of thing. And it's something they could use. So we could have a dinner, a fellowship dinner with them downstairs. We can bring our own stuff or we could have Uncle George's do it. It's really, you know, up to us how we want to go about it. If it's too complicated and, you know, we want to regroup later on tonight and think about it, that's fine. Maybe I should have just said nothing. I don't know. I feel weird. Everyone's looking at me like, dude, I don't understand a word you're saying. That's true. That, that, that's true, too. Just take care of dinner for them. You want to just take care of dinner for them? And then, like, could we? Okay. And just supply them with, okay, that sounds good. We could do it that way. Um, do we want Do we want to help out and just gather, well, there's how many of us here? 
just real quick. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, There's like 30, 40 people here. If we chipped in a little money each, we could get them a microwave pretty easy. Mm hmm All right. So we want to have Uncle George's make lunch for him? Okay. All right. And do we... Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm sure they'll be very happy to be able to tell everybody every single possible thing that happened. Yeah. <laughs> ask them. There's no need. <laughs> you should ask them. I know. We'll have to pry it from them, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll have, yeah. <laughs> Hook them up to the car battery and get it out of them. Um, so do we want to chip in together to get a microwave for them? Can we just get them? Okay. Well, they need something that fits. They have a small space in their apartment so that it's not a big it's not a big spot. It's probably the microwave they have in the spot right now is not a big one. It's probably a middle to smaller size microwave. So it won't fit. that's part of the problem is the space constraint. So I don't know. I pr I brought did I bring it with me? I don't know. I priced it. Kenmore makes one for 100 bucks that Consumer Reports says is great for a microwave. So I thought it'd be nice to get him that. I'll put 50 in. Okay, can we get $50? I, it's fine by me. I don't care. I love the guy. I, they'll use, I know they'll use it. I know it's not that they won't. Um, but can we, is that something we could present them with maybe after services? Just like a gift. Hi, we love you. Or no, it's just too scattered brain on my part. Should I have should I have prepared a speech? I don't know. I'm I'm just uh maybe this maybe it's just not developed enough. Do you have a question? Do we have any like, you know we need clarification or anything? Yes, brother. I <laughs> All right, so we got lunch. All right. So there's two things. There's there's lunch from Uncle George's. Vote on that. Do we can we do that? Yeah. All in favor? All right. We're voting on getting Uncle George's to cater dinner for the Montoros on Sunday. Okay. We got that. Then the second thing's a microwave. Hundred bucks, Ken Moore, Sears. All right, wonderful. Okay, great. That's it. Thank you. I'm sorry I was totally ill prepared and sounded like an idiot, but I appreciate your patience with me. For for dinner? You think so? We'll have to calculate it. All right. Yeah, that, that's the part that gets messy. Um, what I'm going to do is, and, and if there's any overage, let's count the heads. Do we want to just, we'll just do an even distribution. Is that fine? Okay. If every if every family, because there's more than one person that represents a family, why don't we just have every family chip in ten bucks? That's it. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine, and we'll take care of we'll take care of it. Thank you. I appreciate it.